Hello, this is Philip Mirton, and while I'm on vacation, I'm bringing you the best of series. And the next show is consistent with our attempt to bring leading thinkers from around the world to this show. So listen in as Tim Freaky from the United Kingdom talks about the wonder moment and the mystery of experience. Breaking new ground in thinking, exploring the outer limits of what we know about the world and ourselves, unhindered by common beliefs and perceptions. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, taking on subjects from the Big Bang, the multiverse, and evolution to the supernatural and the new rising consciousness. This is where scientists, philosophers, New Agers, and spiritualists come together to discuss where this world may be heading. Now, here's your host, lawyer, philosopher, and the author of The Heaven at the End of Science, Philip Meriton. Now, later in this show, we will be talking with Whitney McNeil and Christina Wooten of Sacred Light Journeys, which is a spiritual retreat organization that coordinates and facilitates journeys to sacred earth energetic sites throughout the world. But today on the show, I'm very happy to have as a guest Tim Freak from the United Kingdom, and the the theme we're going to be focusing on is living in the wonder moment. Now, in this new millennium, we are seeing more and more people and more authors asking the big questions. Why are we here? Why does the world exist? Which happens to be the title of a best-selling book by Jim Holt. What is the world made out of? What is our destiny? Is there life after death? Seems like there's more and more books on these topics. And of course, the purpose of this show is to try to bring these big questions down to earth so that we could all grapple with them and deal with them. Now, a couple thousand years ago, a famous person whose name was Socrates famously said that philosophy begins in wonder. But it's not only philosophy, I think, that begins in wonder. Life itself begins in wonder. Thought begins in wonder. And after all, philosophy is just a way to think about life. And and this wonder is the wonder that we are even here. Now, this question can and should be asked whatever your philosophical, scientific, or religious leanings. Einstein, a materialist, asked the question. Stephen Hawking, in his book, A Brief History of Time, ends the book by basically saying that the goal of science is to understand the mind of God. The authors of the Rig Veda the famous Hindu test, asked the question. Muhammad, the channeler or author of the Koran, asked the question. And all the great spiritual traditions asked the question. They, they confront this mystery of why we are here. Now, looking out at the world today, we have two basic lenses. We have the lens of materialism, and we have the lens of idealism. And then we have this thing, I should add it, which is a little both, dualism, where we have a materialistic or matter-centered world and a mind-centered world. They're running sort of like this parallel shift and the mystery, the puzzle, which has puzzled folks throughout the ages, is how do these two realms, the spiritual realm, the material realm, interact? Phrased differently, how does body and mind interact? We don't hear a lot about this debate right now, this debate between materialism and idealism, because we think the debate has already been settled, and that's probably because modern science is materialistic in origin. But we know that more and more thinkers are beginning to adopt a mind-first or consciousness-first perspective, and those folks include Amika Swamy, Bruce Lipton, Fred Allen Wolf, Rupert Sheldrake, and yours truly, among others. Now, a natural consequence of this movement is that the world is either like a dream or is in fact a dream which is sort of a radical concept, except that Hinduism is sort of based upon that principle, although they may not use those words. Remember, in Hinduism, Brahma, Brahman is the source of life and is the mind of God, essentially, that, that projects the illusory uh, world. But it turns out that when we play out the consequences of this viewpoint from, the, from a mind-centered world, we arrive at a much more uplifting, inspiring vision of the world. We start sensing that despite all the high-sounding pronouncements from pop culture, such as the song, We Are the World, and Eastern mysticism, i.e. we are one, there may be truth in these statements. Perhaps we are really one. 
It also brings us to more fully appreciate this sense of wonder that began the philosophical enterprise. Now, today's guest, as I mentioned, Tim Freak, is an expert in exploring this sense of wonder. Tim has an honors degree in philosophy and is an internationally respected authority on world spirituality. He is the author of over 30 books that have established his reputation as a scholar and free thinker. He's also a stand-up philosopher, a concept he developed from the ancient idea of a philosopher as a traveling spiritual entertainer who transforms people's consciousness. His latest book, The Mystery Experience, A Revolutionary Approach to Understanding Spirituality, in that book, he creates a new language of awakening, which makes profound ideas simpler to understand, so it's easier to experience a real transformation of consciousness. During his mystery experience retreats, he personally guides participants directly to the deep awake state. And I've read the book. It's an it's a, it's a excellent read. I'd have to call it a combination of deep philosophical and spiritual insights, personal anecdotes, and practical lessons for achieving what Tim calls the wow moment. Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you, Philip. I'm delighted to be uh, to be part of it. Well, well, it's great having you here. Well, let let's start off now. You you titled your your newest book the Mystery Experience. Can you explain what the Mystery Experience is? Well, the first line of the book is the Mystery Experience is happening now and. Essentially, what I mean by the mystery experience is this, what we're experiencing right now, because it seems to me that what we're experiencing right now is is intensely mysterious, that we don't know what life is. And as you mentioned in your excellent introduction, it's very easy to fall into a kind of a um, coma in which you assume that someone somewhere knows what this is, or there's a general sense that we do. And the fact is, we really don't. Uh, what we what we find is that the more we push back the frontiers of knowledge or seem to, the more mysterious and strange and um, surprising life becomes. Yeah. So first and foremost, like this is it. Now, what I mean by the mystery experience is when you look at this moment with those eyes, when you see how mysterious it is, because what happens for me when I notice the mystery of existence is that I experience a transformation in in my state of consciousness. Well, you know, I... I think that the uh, the wonder um, and the mystery experience really resonated with me because I think we tend to forget that even under the the uh, the current modern materialistic worldview, which which in, in which the world begins with a big bang, uh, there is incredible mystery on, on how that exactly happened. And we we tend to, you know, I, I put this in my own book. I sort of say, you know, we sort of ask, we, we sort of ask the, the, the professors to answer these big questions for us. And, and we assume that they've done it. And so we file that away in our mind somewhere or, or in our bookshelf somewhere. Truth, it really is the opposite, isn't it? I mean, what I... The great irony, I mean, nothing's what it seems in, in my experience, and that, and, and that includes science. Uh, you know, I love it. The Big Bang. Right. Well, it wasn't big. It was very, very small, and it made no noise because there was no one to hear. So, it was, you know, we, we, we call it, even the name we call it yeah. is, is, is funny. Uh, the, and, and this idea of science being materialistic, it always strikes me. I mean, I know exactly what you mean because most people in our culture assume that science is materialistic, but it, it really isn't. I mean, I don't think science has truly had a, a what would be a, co a commonly understood as a materialistic perspective for over 100 years, well over 100 years. I think that has been really dismissed by physics, which has moved beyond that completely. And and yet we have this idea as if what science is saying is the, you know, the world that it, you, you know that you can touch and measure and feel, that's what exists and that's what's real. And yet the opposite is the truth. That's the world which science has dismantled for us and gone, it's not there. Yeah, well, I think that, I th see, my own, my own view of that is, is and, I, and, I, and I know you're talking about quantum theory and, and how quantum theory essentially proves that the very matter that certain scientists, uh, from Newton to, say, Max Planck or Einstein, believe was actually out there is not really there that there's really not a, a material object at the root of existence. It really is some kind of uh, energy packet, wave 
probability wave yeah. or particle wave particle or whatever or whatever is out there. I just I just read a, another article on that the other day about they still can't figure out what it is. But but anyways, <laughs> but but the point is is that you see this this is this is where I'm coming from in this. I don't think that that the that the that the consequences of quantum theory have permeated modern science. I no. I, I, I think That's I think right. we have That's sort right. of this schizophrenic viewpoint here, and 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 there's a, there's many there's many thinkers uh, in the in the in the biological or medical realm who who point out that that of all the sciences, the quantum theory has least permeated medical science. I think biology generally. My sense is that you know the physis- the physicists are literally looking at looking right into when you if you're studying the world objectively as science does which is the opposite of what spirituality does spirituality right. studies the same thing subjectively um, but if you study it objectively then you're going reaching further and further into the object and eventually the you know the, the most extreme is physics which is the ground of science that it seems to me is where everything is dissolved in our hands. Right. You come back into biology and, and sciences like that, or even chemistry, and then you're dealing with objects and, so, and then with life. And so it, it becomes much more materialistic. And sometimes these understandings, which you can see at the cutting edge of physics, where people are talking about oh, concepts which are so wild, they, they are truly metaphysical, hasn't permeated into biology. And it, and it, it continues as if. Right. There was a solid physical foundation, which there isn't. Right. And then you get this false idea of what science is. What, so what most people think is science isn't science. It's actually a mistaken interpretation of science, which has, as we've said, been outdated for 100 years. Right, right. And I, I completely agree. I, and to me, and, and I, I, I put this in my own book, the, there's this concept of science, and, and I, I think science is... Uh, it means to know or the or or knowledge or something i i forget exactly what it is you probably know what the it does mean to know yeah right, and, right. and and what so sorry you say what you're going to say and then i'll come back with okay, something which uh, might okay. interest you okay i was i was going to say that we tend to associate the concept of science with 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 uh materialistic science and and i'm saying as a as a general proposition but to me science should be undertaken within the correct worldview or or within the correct found, or or upon the correct foundation and 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 the challenge that we have uh going forward in, in this next millennium is to is to integrate in my mind integrate the concept of science this objective rigorous logical rational approach within a worldview that encompasses spirituality that the the yes. problem the problem is and and particularly when you read the hardcore materialists the folks I'm talking about would be people like Stephen Hawking Stephen Weinberg Lisa Randall um, Richard Dawkins who who have who who really set up a dichotomy between the 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 external world or this material contraption outside of us and and the scientific enterprise. Um, you see, it seems to me science is first and foremost an etymology. Excuse me, getting my mouth all tidal up here. Um, it's 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 an etymology. It's 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 first of, not an etymology, epistemology. Sorry, right. I've got uh, an it, epistemology. It was still an e word. <laughs> what I wanted to talk about was the etymology. Science means no. That, let's stick with the etymology first, and then we'll come to the epistemology. Okay. Okay. Etymology, the meaning of words. Science means to know. It's what we know, and it comes from the Latin. In the Greek, the same the word with the same meaning is is gnosis, and so what you see is this lovely thing where, in the quirk of the evolution of language, science has become associated with objective knowing, right. and the gnosis, the very heart of the Western spiritual tradition, has become associated with this subjective knowing or this awakening, what they call gnana in the in the East, this gnosis. So science and gnosis. They seem like opposites, and yet they, they, they mean the same thing. One's just Greek, one's just Latin. And that little twist, I mean, it's a quirk of etymology, but it points to something, that one is about objectively looking at the world and discovering something profound by looking at it in one, uh, through that lens. And the other, spirituality, or the, is looking at the essence of being, and it's investigating things subjectively by looking back on who is experiencing this into the self. And that leads to the gnosis. And yet these two seem to me entirely complementary. 
they 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 sit together they and and what marks them out is not that either of them are actually a defined philosophy fundamentally they are both epistemologies i mean science that's really obvious because science is not materialistic or unmaterialistic science is a, is is actually a method Right. By, which says, look, we, you just can't walk in and go, the world's like this. Right. You have to come in, state what you think the world's like, and then check it out. Right. Now, on its deepest level, I feel the same with spirituality, where spirituality often falls down. And why it really annoys so many scientific people is because it doesn't have the same level of rigor. But if we apply the same level of rigor to our journey inwards as we do to our journey outwards, I think they can really speak to each other in a very profound way. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's I think that's really good, and and I like to to put it in, in this way, which is that as we apply the questioning process to the theories of science, we start finding that that science and spirituality are this are looking at the same thing from different perspectives. Yes, and and the classic, yes. I mean, the best. Ex, I mean, there's two examples I'll give here. The best example is, is of course, quantum theory, which we all talk about a lot. But for those who aren't familiar with it, the bottom line is that quantum theory shows that the that at the root of of reality are not things. But something that is in the borderland between a thing and a wave, a wave equation. I've seen one Nobel Prize winning author say that it's really nothing is there. Nothing is really there. The other, the other key thing, which books like the Quantum Enigma uh, elaborate upon, and Fred Allen Wolf and Amakaswamy and all and a lot of folks are basically showing that quantum theory establishes and. In, an, an inevitable link between mind and the world, or be, or between consciousness and the world, and so, and and you know, the first books in this genre, Tim, such as the Tao of Physics, I remember sort of, it well. Sort of, it. sort of drew up, you know, sort of, sort of built upon the sort of mystical uh, aspects of quantum theory, and sort of started building that bridge between science and spirituality. But the other thing that I want to point out that that we that is sort of slowly raising its head that I'm in, it really intrigued with is this whole question about the fine tuning uh, of the universe. That issue is coming; it's really coming front center now, and it, because it's related to the multiverse. You mean and, Fred Hoyle's thing? It looks like a put up job. Right, you know, right, the, exactly, the, exactly. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's really funny. I mean, people, you know, if you if you really if you really read. Uh, the the books on this the, the 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 modern scientists many of them need the multiverse to explain the fine tuning. That's the only way they can avoid God, isn't it? Right, right, um, right. You know, they, or 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 some some meaningful source. See, and I agree with you, Philip, completely, as I'm sure you expected. And but what what I notice myself, and I find it funny when when people have a rather crude scientific or crude materialist view of life, is that whilst I, I see that in the science. I'm also, you know, first and foremost, science is there to explain my life to me, you know, or, or all of this, un all human understanding is there to explain my life to me. If it doesn't account for my life as I'm experiencing it, then there's something huge missing. Right. And, and it astonishes me that anyone can get through life without having had so many, so much magic and meaning and, you know, Jung's idea of synchronicity or just the, 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 the unfolding of life as, as meaningful story that you could ever look at it and go, well, it's just all meaningless chance. You know, the right. fine-tuning of life is not just in the equations at the Big Bang. The fine-tuning of life expresses itself in the incredible dramas of, of our individual experience and, and, and the way they unfold and the, and the richness and dreamlike quality of our, of, our, um, of our individual journeys. And that's where I feel like, God, just look at it. You know, can you look at this and just dismiss it as some sort of meaningless random you know it's not right. it's clearly not it's clearly got full of meaning right. so let's start by trying to say it's full of meaning what is that meaning <laughs> right right i i guess you know i i started off um by by talking about even even under the strict uh materialistic viewpoint the big bang darwinian evolution uh this mystery of how something came from nothing i mean even even at that even assuming that perspective scientists we should be standing back in awe 
oh, that 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 something even exists. And and it's and to me, and I have to go to the organized religion now and and draw a parallel because my issue with 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 uh, orthodox religions is that many people take sort of a similar standpoint. They say, well, God did it, and therefore we should be praying to God, this external God who handed it down. And, and I think the problem with that is failing to appreciate the miracle that, that something even exists. And, yes. and, and, and whether, whether it was God or, or the Big Bang, or whatever your viewpoint, the, the, this, 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 uh, this, this wonderment that arises from recognizing that fact is something that I, I completely agree with you, <laughs> that it leads to a spiritual uh, enlightenment or, or a spiritual awareness is maybe yes. another way to put it. Uh, it's so, like waking up, isn't it? You just suddenly, it's like, whoa, how did I miss that? Right, right. I mean, and, one, of, one of the things which, <clears throat> I mean, I, I think I'm, uh, I've, in, in the, my book, The Mystery Experience, which has you know, been a long journey through many, many books and many studies of different spiritual traditions to arrive at, was that I, what I wanted to do was try and present a way which united a objective and a subjective view or, or a scientific and a, and a spiritual view. And the, the way that I came at it was to suggest that we needed to think in, in a new way or, or, or it's an old way really but a new form, which I called this paralogical thinking by which I mean thinking in a way that understands that the very nature of the reality we're exploring is paradoxical. It brings together opposites. I mean, the perfect symbol for that is the ancient yin-yang sign, the idea of the Tao arriving as yin and yang. But it's a a common idea, and you find it, I think, right at the heart of a lot of modern science, especially quantum physics. You see it in the wave-particle duality, that you can look at... um, light as a wave you can look at it as a particle depending on how you look at it that's well how, how it will appear which is it well it's kind of both what is it really who knows what it is but we know it can appear as these two in these two opposite ways and where that led me to was to posit along with people like david bohm that the, there is a ground of being uh, which is which is entirely mysterious to us because we can never say anything about it other than that it is it's a, a field of potentiality which is arising as the journey of life. It's arising as this moment right now. And that its very nature is to be paradoxical. So it is both, it appears as object and subject. It appears as I and it. And that therefore, if you look at it objectively, as science does, you will inevitably, because you're looking at it objectively, end up with an objective field of energy or something which arises as matter, which leads to consciousness. But if you look at it subjectively, like spirituality does, you will explore the same mystery, the same mystery of being, but it will appear subjective. So the natural metaphor to arrive at is a subjective metaphor. There is a great mind. There is God. There is big mind of the Zen tradition. There is an awareness within which every, all of these forms are arising like a dream. Right. And you see a lot of scientists, you know, great, many of the great scientists played with that metaphor as well. It's a deep spiritual one. And it sounds like it's the opposite, but actually it's not. It's the same thing, but seen from two opposite perspectives. And if we can see that, then you've got a mystery, which you can never nail down, which you need to look at subjectively, and in which case you will see it like a great dream arising in in, in a, a universal mind, or objectively, in which case you will see it as an energetic source rising up as matter, giving birth to minds. But they're both the same thing, seen from opposite perspectives. Yeah, and I, I think that what what you're doing, and I, I want to, uh, first of all, uh, let the listeners know that we're talking to Tim Freak from the, from the United Kingdom, the author of the new book, The Mystery Experience, and we're talking about some of the most important questions that I think are facing us today uh, in terms of understanding uh, who we are and where the world is heading. Um, it's, it's extremely uh, important, I think, uh, this, this paralogical uh, approach that you're, you're taking. Uh, I, I follow it, but I, I also think that what it really shows to me is this is this is a mystery that we are living in a world that prop that that should not be here 
and it the world itself is a paradox <laughs> it's, yeah. it's 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 something yeah. you can't understand i mean and and so i i've i've uh, i've thought a lot about it myself and and you know our 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 careers uh, are are somewhat parallel we're both philosophy majors we're both about the same age um of course you look uh, younger than i do but leaving that aside um <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the the so so you would think, and this is where I'm going with this. You would think that in a sort of enchanted uh, world, uh, a a miracle, there, you're gonna you're gonna see paradoxes like Alice in Wonderland or something. You know, it's really it really is a amazing um, uh, world we live in. And and I I I, I want to ask you this question about. About what you do. I mean, you you've been right in the heart of this. I mean, you use this wonder experience, this this, this uh, mystery experience, as basis of your talks and your training. And and what what is it? What have you used to get people to understand this wonder? I mean, what what tools yeah. have you used? Well, the I mean, the wonder is is what what I love about wonder is because it's such an easy word. You know, right. you can say to anyone at any time. You know, can you see the? You know, the, can you see? Look, it it is wonderful, even when it feels mundane, even when it's a grey day, even when bad things are happening, even when they're suffering. You know, we're in an infinite universe, a hundred billion galaxies. The matter that our bodies are made of is is not really there in the way we think it is. The whole thing that's happening is incredible, and then most incredible of all, we meet each other. Right. We we experience each other on this journey, and. It is, it is so extraordinary, this flow of colors and shapes and sounds and feelings that's happening right now, that wonder is a, is a great doorway. And if you go right into the deep mystery, then I think instantly consciousness starts to change. Yeah. And then what I do with people, like I've just run a mystery experience retreat over New Year, which I love to do. I mean, I, I get invited around the world to do them. And what I love about those, Philip, is that I get a weekend or or numbers of days in which we can focus in on that mystery. And what I share with people in that is ways of looking at the moment and looking at each other so that it can open up these paradoxes of life and paradoxes of our identity in such a way that we experience what I call being deep awake. Yeah. Where, where you suddenly, you, you, you're moving into a different state of consciousness and the, the hallmark of that consciousness, which has been talked about from in the spiritual traditions for thousands and thousands of years, is two things, love and wisdom, right. or that fundamental uh, connectedness with everything, a oneness which experiences itself as, um, uh, as love, as a love which is in the heart but also in the body. You can, it's, it's a feeling, it's a, it's a clarity of mind, and it's a connectedness to the deep source of being. It's yeah. knowing that you are that field, that mystery of being we talked about earlier, right. that that's essentially what everything is. You, I am that, you are that. And then from that oneness is arising Tim and Philip. And if we just meet as, t- as Tim and Philip, it's kind of interesting. But if we meet as Tim and Philip and we can recognize that we are, we are the mystery of being, we are the ground of being as well, there's a place where we're one, then there's um, a profound depth to our experience then. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I think that's great, and I I want to emphasize something because when folks uh, like us are having conversations like this, a lot of a lot of people would think, oh, well, they're off in this new age mumble jumbo, and they're off in this spiritual um, discourse that really doesn't touch ground anywhere. But but I I want to I want to emphasize that that's not the case. That yeah, that, me that, too. that what me that too. what that what we're doing here is all is, is is that we are trying to look at the world objectively looking at what science is saying about the world i.e. quantum physics and the fine tuning and dark matter and we can go on and on with uh with with science but also that when you start going in that direction you start in my in my view you start seeing overlaps with the with the great spiritual traditions and and I think that Tim, what you've done, and whether you've gotten credit for it or not, you should, is that I think that in in the mystery experience and probably in other of your books, you're moving beyond this the classic spiritual tradition. You're not just uh, saying, well, Buddha said X, Y, and Z, and therefore that's correct. Let's live our life like Buddha did. You, you're you're going beyond that, and and that that's sort of the point I'm I'm trying to make here is that is that uh, we are trying to understand the world as a unity 
and, yes. and, 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 and not not as a scientific world in the textbooks and in the and in the universities, and then a religious world in the churches and synagogues and other places of worship. We're trying to understand it as a unity. At least that, and, that's and, that's where I would put it. And that's why you know that is so important, Philip, because you know that's why it's so important again to re- keep returning to mystery or not knowing, right. to relook at the moment all the time. Okay, what is this? Because if you start off, if you if you like with science, so many people get pulled into science think this is giving them true knowledge, and then see reality through a lens. Well, there's more to reality than, than just looking at it through that lens. Take that, that's a good lens, but it's not the only lens. Right. Have another look. Take that lens off from time to time. Look at it fresh. Because there's many ways we need to understand this. This is a multidimensional experience we're having now, and I don't mean that in any woo-woo sense. I mean that literally. It just is. Just look at it. Right. And and then, then, then the problem, as you've, iso- if you, as you've said, is that people see doing that as somehow associated with a lot of new age mumbo jumbo. Right. One of the so one of the subtexts, of important thing in my book, is can we create a form of spirituality which is is deep and can resonate with deep science, which is not tied in with superstition, and and again, we take a paralogical approach. You want both, and it's not this or that. You know, it's not stop thinking like you hear in so many spiritual circles. It's no, think clearly, but also be intuitive. As Einstein said, our knowledge comes from intuition first and foremost. And open your heart, have head, have heart, have matter, have spirit. All of this is in front of us. Let's investigate all of it with an open mind and with a a rigorous and open-minded approach and see where we end up rather than... Um, getting uh, pigeonholed or ghettoized into these uh, places where where we're at war with each other unnecessarily. Right, and and the and the power of this and is and even going perhaps a step farther is that to me the 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 unity of spirituality or the unity of religion, which is same, which would be the same thing as the unity of science would be if, let's suppose, everybody had this awakening recognizing the miracle of existence or the, or the mystery experience. Now, now you've got sort of a world transformation, I mean, um, underway here. Because I think that too much of, of, of spiritualism has been sort of an individual uh, process. It you know people go away yes. and they meditate and they do their yoga and and it's sort of a individual journey and and there's nothing that's the beauty of life. It's one of the beauty of the of, of, of the free countries is that no one could tell you what to think or to or to meditate on or or to or to contemplate or to read uh, for the most part. Uh, <laughs> but 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 the the real power of this. And this is where I, I, I come down to this. The real power of this, or the real power of recognizing the miracle of the world, is that it's something that everybody shares. And, and, yes. and, and to me, that, it, goes beyond, it goes beyond the teachings of organized religions. Because yes, I mean, to me, if, and, and you, I'm very pleased that you, you um, alluded to this in my book and picked up on it, um, Philip, because for me, it's, there can be a feeling that science keeps evolving. We expect the science to be different in 10 years than it is now. We hope it will be. Spirituality, there's a tendency to think the old is good. We must repeat the same thing over and over again because it's traditional. My feeling is, like everything, it must evolve. Right. We need to take what's good, change what's bad. Take what's good, change what's bad. That means every new generation coming in and, doing, and being part of that process. And I've tried to make my contribution into reformulating the great perennial truths which seem still completely relevant and then find a new way of expressing them which can make them harmonious with the objective ways of thinking that we're discovering but the place we meet surely for me is in not knowing you know what i love about this conversation with you is i don't pick up any dogmatism in what you're saying so we can meet in a place where we go look there's this incredible mystery happening in front of us and right. none of us know what it is. Right. What's your best guess? What have you found that's helpful? And how, how is that the same or different to what I found that's helpful? And let me learn from you. Let you learn from me. And between us, we can work constantly work towards an integrated body of human knowledge, which can help all of us. Right, right, and, right, right. I was going to say that, and, and I, that 
in in the field of of convincing people, I mean, there there is this old uh, saying, and I don't know where they came from, philosophy or law, one of the two, or 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 just common folklore, but it's something like somebody is more inclined to believe something if they go through the thought process themselves, as opposed to it being dictated to you, and 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 so to me, if if this is the correct or the best standpoint, which is this open-minded sort of uh, wonderment over the mystery of the world, this, this, this feeling that we are here because of a, a, of a miracle, that there is a unity between science and spiritual. If all that's true, if, and if after you're done uh, going through all the scientific theories and the spiritual teachings and all that, you realize, hey, there is this unity, then everyone sort of should walk down that road. And, and when you go down that road, whether it's through uh, the rational um, use of your brain or whether it's the inward journey, that's, that's powerful. And, and that, yes. that, that's, that's my feeling about it. I, I have always been incredibly influenced by that saying, and I think it's Sherlock Holmes. Is it really? Well, I it's, think, I I think mean, the thing know, is, no one, it's, you know, it's actually, I don't know whether it's, it's, it's what leads people to believe, but one thing's for sure, it is impossible to understand something. Right. Unless you go through the process, right, right, right. I think I think he was the one who said, uh, when, "When all the impossible theories go away, the truth is the one remains standing." Something like that. Yes, uh, that is his. That's lovely, isn't it? Whatever, whatever, whatever. It and was Conan some... Doyle was a very interesting man, of course. You know, he he was he was he was really investigating things on the edge. Yeah, yeah. So so I think that that's sort of where where I'm at, and and the uh, the, the problem that I would have with with a you know the hardcore materialist scientists, and I've expressed this before. But but every time I, I read one of their books, examples being uh, Lisa Randall's uh, "Knocking Heaven Door," "Knocking on Heaven's Door," or um, Steven Weinberg "Dreams of a Final Theory," they essentially rule out spirituality or such things as psychic phenomenon because they simply because they don't fit their model. They seem to say, "Well, they can exist." Well, this is this is it, Philip. This, it seems to me. I was talking with a friend of mine um, just this morning about in consciousness studies what get called the the hard problem. Right. How does consciousness arise from matter? Is, you know, we have no idea, and it, it it's an impossible question to answer. But my feeling is, you know, that question arises. Because right at the beginning of the investigation, you've already said what exists is what we is what's objective. Right. That's what really exists: matter, what you can study, what you can measure. Now, when we get to the end of the process, we explore the Big Bang all the way through to us now observing it. Oh, my God, where did the observer come from? It's appeared from nowhere, and and yet, really, it was cut out right at the beginning. So, you, if you start with a materialist objective point of view none of that other stuff will make sense if you start with the mystery of life as you're actually experiencing it then all of those things are there yeah you're you're experiencing an inner world which does not exist in space right now everybody is and you're existing an outer world which does exist in space and which everyone is one is objective one is subjective right let's start from there clearly being what we're studying has a subjective and an objective component that's unmissable by anyone who looks at the reality in front of them right now and this is philip Mirton, and we're here talking to tim freak from the uk about his new book the mystery experience and living in the wonder moment keep listening for more about how we should all be experiencing the wonder of life i think you you sort of highlight the the point that the the answers that you give are dependent upon the questions that are asked yes. and 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 every time someone says well the hard problem of consciousness is how consciousness arose from matter i i like to tell them go read bishop berkeley for a moment <laughs> and and then come back because because that's not necessarily the only way to think about it i mean bishop berkeley uh for those who have not studied obscure philosophical texts, um, he basically said that matter is only a, a, an idea, a concept in the mind, that there is no such thing as matter uh, outside of the mind, which is, which is so similar to quantum theory. And, and, and uh, there's a book by Ken Wilber, uh, Quantum Questions, where he assembles many of the mystical writings of the great 
scientists from the early 20th century, including Einstein and Schrodinger and Heisenberg and James Jeans, where half of them are referring to Berkeley in their in their writings, because yeah. because they're because they're because they identify the yeah. the overlap, the, or, or they identify the fact that the quantum worldview leads towards an idealistic uh, framework. That collection of essays that, that Wilbur put together that you just mentioned, I think is phenomenal for yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and I've drawn on it and other, and other texts, both in my latest book, The Mystery Experience, and, and, and two or three before that. Because when you hear these Nobel Prize winning scientists sounding so much like um, the great mystics, right. you, you cannot, you, you know, you have to sit up and go, look, we, we, what we've understood science to be is not w- what it is. Yeah. And then where I end up is like, you know, to tie it in with the very beginning of this conversation is you start in the moment and there's this wonder and, it, and, and it's what, well, to, let's use a phrase from Einstein, what he called the cosmic religious feeling. Yeah. That sense of awe of, of, of that every great scientist has of being like Newton said, a small boy in front of a great ocean throwing pebbles in, you know, like yeah. knowing nothing. There's this incredible awe and wonder. And then from that, we investigate our lives and we arrive at some understanding. But if we then fall into the understanding as if we know and lose the wonder, we've, we, we, we've actually fallen asleep into language. We we think we've we've explained something we haven't. It's still as much there's still as much awe and wonder as there ever was, and it's only when we feel that awe and wonder as well as our as well as our conceptual understanding that we feel truly alive. Yeah. Otherwise, life goes very dead. It, the analogy it's an old one, but it's true. It's a bit like eating the menu instead of the meal, <laughs> yeah. it, and no wonder it tastes of cardboard. Yeah, yeah. Well, the I don't I don't think I don't, I'm not sure if there if there is. Um, if there's anything, if there's anything more important uh, than that in, in under in understanding um, that Socrates was right, that yes, that philosophy yes. thinking thinking begins in wonder, and I I I don't think that there's anything that could be more important than trying to convince folks to take a step back from their daily routine lives and appreciate the wonder. I, I remember um, I gave a little talk about a year ago or so, and I was at the table waiting for this this long line of people to ask me to sign my book, and, and, and uh, a couple of people actually did come up. But, but um, one woman said, she says, you know, this whole thing about oneness, I, I don't know, I don't understand it. I mean, am I supposed to, like, melt into other people? And, and, and you know, she, I thought that was a very, very uh, sort of pointed comment because it, it made me th- think, and I told her, I said, I, I really think it's an attitude. I, I, I really think that, and this is something we forget, that, and, and you put it, and you point out in your book this, this importance of separateness and unity, that yes. we have to be separate people in order to experience life. We can't otherwise, it, it would defeat the purpose uh, of, 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 of life itself if we were the only one, if we were one big blob or something. But, but, but the, the point is, is that if you approach life with this sense of wonderment, it does change your mindset. In, and, and, and the common way we put it here in the U.S., it's just, it's a better, you have a better attitude. <laughs> you, you have, yeah. you're, you're, you're a better person. I think that's right. And, and again, with this paralogical thinking, which, you know, we've touched on a little bit, but which is kind of key to the, I mean, what I'm trying to articulate is a paralogical philosophy. It, it, it's going, it's always, it's always both and. It's not at its depth. It's not, it's, is it one or are we many? It's no, well, look, we're one and many. Right. The ground of being is one and then the qualities of being are many and the individual centers of consciousness are clearly separate and anyone who says they're not is not paying attention because I can think a thought and you don't know what it is. We're separate. Right. And yet, see, see into the depths and also we are not separate. And the attitude, or as you put it, which arises when I see that I'm both separate and not separate from you and everybody else is a different attitude than when I think I'm just separate from you or the environment or the planet or the universe for that matter. One is an illusion. I'm not separate. I'm not separate as a physical body, let alone as anything else. Everything is integrated. And yet I experience it separately. 
Yeah, separateness is, as Einstein pointed out, it's a lovely quote from Einstein. Separateness is a type of illusion arising because of consciousness. I think that's right. And then, so we, so we're in a place then where we see both. We're separate and not separate, and that's when there's this communion and and, and love, compassion, right, that arises. Right. If nothing else, our current society, we are focusing on the separateness way too much. <laughs> that that this we haven't appreciated the underlying the underlying unity. Yes, but I think it's even that, you know, I think is, I, I certainly agree with you completely, but I see it as a, a, a natural evolution in that we've come, the ground uh, in nature is unconscious oneness. And we've arisen, and the more individual we've become, the more conscious we've become, and the more uh, autonomous we've become. Now the job, having done that, which has been a huge achievement, that we've developed this level of autonomy and individuality and consciousness, now it's can we throw light back on ourselves and understand the fundamental oneness and make that conscious. Yeah. If we can make the oneness conscious, then we can have literally the best of both worlds. Right, and I think that you've said, I think you've said something powerful there that I want to, I want to emphasize, and and others others have have pointed it out, but if if the evolution that we're on is is not only perhaps an evolution as an organism, whatever whatever that might be, because I don't know what other organism we're going to become, but but leaving that aside, if we're on an <laughs> evolution of consciousness or of awareness, to me it would be a natural movement, a natural movement to this what big mind, small body, or small brain, this 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 uh, understanding that. We, that we are separate but the but the same this is and uh, more and more people that I interview on this show they're 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 saying the same thing in different ways that that if if that if this type of evolution is correct and I think it is or if this is the track of reality this 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 uh rising awareness we're going to be there Right. I mean, that and that's the beautiful that's that's what we should all be very grateful for, that we are heading down this path where we where we're finally at some point going to understand better who we are. Yeah, it seems to me I mean, to pick up on something you said much earlier on, Philip, that when you look at the set up job, you see the coincidences right at the beginning after the Big Bang, when you see them still manifesting in your own individual life, and you see that dreamlike quality, the meaning that is arising in life. One has the feeling, and this is a, you know, I'll just throw this in, I don't want to, you know, take it too far, but the, the, we have this idea of life being pushed right. by the beginning. But, um, there, of course, there's another paralogical pole, which is the idea that, like a magnet, we're being pulled by the end. Right. And that there is a telos or an end, which is where it wants to get to. Right. And that, that we all feel that. I mean, I think we actually experience that feeling of something pulling us towards it, to right. wake us up, to right. make us more conscious. That life and, 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 and at ever accelerating speed is pulling us towards where it wants to arrive at. Um, from an unconscious state into a superconscious state, from a state of just separateness into a place where we become conscious through separateness of our oneness and can bring these higher qualities to life of love, of justice, of care, of com you know, empathy, compassion, all of these things which are the higher qualities which have only come into existence through human beings waking up. Yeah, and that's... that's, uh, that's very well put and i i want to ask you one more question which is to tell folks a little bit about um how they get in touch with you or learn more about your books uh it seems to me that we we have a lot more to talk about so i i'm going to try i'm going to try to convince you to come back in a in a little bit because we we've only scratched the surface here but 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 tim why don't you just uh give listeners a little bit uh, information about how to get in touch with you if they want to learn more about the mystery experience and other things you're working on. Certainly. Well, thank you for that, Philip. It has been a great conversation and will forever be on the surface, I'm sure. <laughs> That's it's true. So That's a good point. Um, uh, people who would like to know more about what I'm doing, there's a website called themysteryexperience.com. Um, you can find out more about me if you Google my name, F-R-E-K-E. Stuff will come up because it's such an unusual name. Pronounced freak, <laughs> F-R-E-K-E. Uh, 
but if, on the website there are lots of uh, videos you can watch for free. There's you can download a um, ebook version of the book, the first third for free as a taster. I really want to spread these ideas. So there's lots there which you can engage with. You can reach me through the website. I have a mailing list where I put things out, and I travel. My favorite thing would be to meet you face to face so that we can experience the mystery experience directly what i love about the retreats i run is that nearly everyone i would say i've just run one with 40 plus people and it was everyone uh goes through to the deep awake state and experiences for themselves and it's not a abstract oh yes i get it it's a it's a a completely immersive experience where you feel it in your body in your heart in your mind and in your soul so it's it's something you can't miss and my greatest passion is to use the philosophy and the words to point directly to the mystery experience itself, this experience of awakening, so that you can have it. Not not read about it, but actually have it. And that's my that's my real aspiration. Yeah, well that well that's fantastic. And I and I and I wanna say for the listeners that of, of all the people that I've spoken to in the last uh, several months, Tim Freak is really really has something going here because because he is finding a this common ground for everybody and this this would be the scientists the the spiritualists and the philosophers that that all of us from any any upbringing any any culture should be able uh, to appreciate uh, the wonder of the world and find out for themselves that indeed we rise to a higher level of spiritual awakening and f- and we become better people and happier people if we could reach that point. As I mentioned in the beginning of the show, I'm also pleased to have on today's show Whitney McNeil and Christina Wooten, uh, who are both associated with Sacred Light Journeys, which is a spiritual retreat organization that coordinates and facilitates journeys to sacred earth energetic sites throughout the world. Welcome, Whitney and Christina. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having us. Okay, first, why don't why don't one of you or take turns telling telling uh, the listeners what Sacred Light Journeys is? Sacred Light Journeys is a cooperation between Christina and I, and it's a place where or an energetic place where we allow people to come find their own sacred light within them. And we're really inspired by certain energetic sites throughout the world. And we just put the energy out and hold space for others to come through their own inner guidance and what they're inspired to do. And a lot of different things happen when we come together for retreats. Sometimes it is their own healing. Sometimes they receive different guidance. And sometimes it's through relationships and other things as well. So with our retreat that we have, and we also have events, there's different energetic imprints that I call it, where people come together for different reasons. Okay, so a common question people probably have about an organization like Sacred Light Journeys is how did it get started? Can you just tell tell folks how um, you and Christina started this uh, organization? Sure. Well, Christina and I both had our own individual businesses, and we're healers. We also are certified mediums. And we felt that we would be able to create something different and new, combining energies with one another. And we both have that desire to travel and to connect with people on a global basis. And we thought it would be interesting and fun to combine our energies together by that space. And so we sat together and talked with spirit and came up with sacred light journeys our main mission is to make sure people know that we're not um, gurus <laughs> we want others to come find their own sacred light within them together so it's, it's a community base or um, a group experience but it's also an individual experience as well. So that was our main mission and why we wanted to, to found Sacred Light Journeys. So what kind of things do uh, you do on your retreats? Gosh, that can be 
Uh, a, a pretty broad question. Usually starting out, we have some sort of theme or some sort of vision that we've been given collectively by spirit um, as far as what kind of energies are going to be coming together. And during the retreat, we have certain things that we have planned, and then we have some things that we allow to really be open and be present with both ourselves and the integrity of the group and just see what comes forward. So sometimes that can be spontaneous channeling, spontaneous healing work. It can be, um, for example, in Sedona, spontaneous vortex tours or specific areas for people to experience some really authentic and exciting um, energetic places and spaces to do group work or individual healing work. Um, we've done different topics and had different things planned. Um, one of our last retreats, the focus, this was over the shift in December, the focus of the experience was learning how to be present with the new reality energies, the reality that we're creating for ourselves as we shift into 2013, and learning how to be present with those principles and have an immersion. So for example, some of those would be being spontaneous, being in the moment, being open for synchronicity by simply following our heart's desire and following our soul's guidance. And sometimes, we have a hard time at home when we're involved in those relationships that have a lot of expectation or we've kind of pigeonholed our mind into experiencing, okay, we do this then. So having a retreat opportunity and really immersing ourselves in a new reality experience lets us explore that without some of those rigid thought processes and rigid expectations. And then... Um, see what that looks like, see what it feels like, and then take some of that knowledge and experience and apply it as we return to those relationships. So that was, that was a great experience. I think we all collectively learned a lot. It was wonderful. So um, how, did you, how did you first, or, and either one of you could um, answer this, because I, both, I, I think that you both um, are mediums. When did you first uh, realize that you had some kind of specially honed skill uh, that that others would call mediumship. When when did this when did this first happen? Well, for me, this is Whitney. I realized that I was able to see different energies when I was very young, at about three years old, and I did not know how to process that. And so I went through understanding that I was experiencing all these different energies, but I had no way to assign it to one individual. I would wake up in the morning and um, get pieces of information and had nowhere to attach it. Hmm. So at some point in my life, I just decided to neglect or reject that because it scared me. And so I went through a process of actually becoming very ill after that and um, went through all the Western medicine techniques. And then my aunt told me that we're going to go to Arizona to a metaphysical alternative healing place. And I said, well, how am I going to be able to walk through the airport? And she said, well, we'll put you in a wheelchair and just wheel you out there. <laughs> and I said, okay, okay. So I went out there and experienced Reiki, uh, shamanic journeys. I had really no previous experience with those things. After four days of doing the spiritual healing and receiving guidance from spirit from other mediums, I went on a hike in the desert. I never thought I was able to do that. And so that sparked me back on my path where I said, oh, my gosh, there's something to this to this world. So I started developing my abilities again and sought out a mentor to be able to hone or attach that energetic frequency or information to one specific person. So that's what sparked me on this path to talk with spirit and spiritual healing. If someone was able to provide or hold space for me to heal and become better, I wanted to do the same for others. And that's what sparked me on my path. Well, that's, that's, a, that's, that's really something, Whitney, because it seems as if you sort of went in a big circle um, where, where you eventually found found uh, more about yourself, and it and, and it turned out to be maybe a, a synchronistical event to begin with, the, the fact that you wound up in in Arizona at this <laughs> at this healing center. So that's that's really that's that's really amazing. How about you, Christina? Do you 
Very similar to Whitney with the experience of knowing as a younger person. I really was more of a feeler. So I would feel energies around me. And it was very obvious to me that something was in my environment that other people couldn't see and weren't experiencing. And I felt so frustrated (laughs) because I was just like, gosh, can't you feel it? Can't you experience it? And it was true and true to me. And I could not deny that. And so I, I really felt like I was always, as a young person, trying to find a framework of truth that matched with my internal framework because the environment that I was in really didn't um, discuss things like that. They weren't talking about that, gosh, I'm feeling this or I'm feeling this energy. Um, I'm feeling uncomfortable in this environment because clearly something has gone on. And so I was always on this internal quest to try and understand what it was I was experiencing. And I never could really let it go. It was always on my forefront of what this is. And I had a really interesting experience with a very good friend of mine. And she has a genetic disorder called Huntington's. And part of her quest for living a full and rewarding life was to experience alternative healing methods because currently there isn't a whole lot available in Western medicine. And so she had been very interested in Reiki and heard a lot about it. It's an energy healing modality. And she said, gosh, Christina, let's let's go. And when she initially brought it up, I said, no, <laughs> I'm not interested. Yeah. And A couple of years later, she said, Christina, let's do this class together. And something clicked. And my response out of my mouth was, yes, that'd be great. And as it turns out, we found a teacher that was, there was a lot of interesting synchronicity that happened around that that I won't go into. And during that first attunement or first connection, there was a light that turned on and just said, this is it. This is where what I've been feeling internally where it matches with something tangible, something that I can feel, something that other people can physically feel and experience, even those that have not been sensitive. And so that kind of opened me up in this really exciting way where it's like something clicked and matched with my internal truth. And then from there, I just began developing different um, healing skills and opening up a lot more. What what kind of people come to your retreats? Do you do you because in the Western mindset, there's probably a lot of people who would be skeptical of energy fields mm-hmm. uh, and, and this alternate healing method. What what kind of 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 uh, tips or what kind of life lessons can you tell us about how how folks like that have been converted in, 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 into 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 accepting this alternate form of healing? Sure. I think generally when people talk about alternative energy and talk about the um, fields around our body, there's, it's all very conceptual because it's talking about, it's not experiencing. And what I found is that when people release the need to understand beforehand, and open themselves to have an experience, even if it's not, I'm going to believe, it's just, well, let's see what's going on, that immediately something clicks, something makes sense, like I was talking about that happened for myself. And it's just, they have something that's really beyond words, and it's individual for each person how they connect with it. But it's really a personal experience that you can't deny. I've had lots of people that have both come in personally for private sessions and also to retreats who have felt that sense of skepticism, but something internally said and guided them, I need to be here. I don't know what I'm here for. I don't know why (laughs) that is. I just kind of found you and here I am. (laughs) And these are people who wouldn't necessarily do things like that. And then they have an experience and then they can, in hindsight, understand exactly why it is they were brought here, exactly why it is that they had this experience and then where to apply it in their life. And the same thing happens at our retreats, which is beautiful. It's so beautiful to see that, that it's just, you're in the moment and what it's going to mean to you, you don't know until later. You know, it's it's really something. The things that happen when you stop doubting yourself, <laughs> or, yes, or or when you yes. or when you stop doubting 
um, new ideas. It, it's it really it it really is an amazing an amazing thing. The the uh, I guess the last question would be um, how do folks get in touch with either one of you? I guess both of you, and to learn more about sacred light journeys. Well, we have a website, and our website is www.sacredlightjourneys.com, and all of our contact information is on that website. We also are on social media as well for Facebook, and that would be facebook.com forward slash sacredlightjourneys. And there's lots of information about events and retreats that we will be doing in the future. And we're very excited to learn and connect with new people and have new experiences. And we're definitely looking forward to the spontaneity of what is to come. I just want to add here that this, I believe, is where things are heading. This, mm-hmm. the, the, the movement towards uh, energetic healing or holistic treatment or, or, or inner cures, uh, this this is where science and spirituality are moving, and and twenty years ago, this would have been more on the fringe. But more and more people are, I think, are are learning themselves, as Christina Whitney have said, that that there is truth to this if we simply take off the blinders a little bit. So thank you very much, uh, Christina Whitney. It's been very nice talking to you. This is Philip Mirton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. You've been listening to Conversations Beyond Science and Religion with Philip Meriton. To find out more about Philip and his new book, The Heaven at the End of Science, visit heavenattheendofscience.com. 